Welcome to Real Unwind, a podcast where we discuss particular movies based on this season's topic, which is banned movies. My name is Anissa Selenica. And my name is Ryan Stack. And sit back and really unwind as we discuss Scarlet Street, a chilling film noir directed by Fritz Lang. Thank you for joining us. So Scarlet Street is about a middle-aged, starving artist named Chris Cross protects a young woman, Kitty March, from being assaulted from, by her fiancé, Johnny, who's an abusive crook. Chris is in love with Kitty, but she's only interested in Johnny. She decides to tease him and, and use him for his artwork because some art dealers are interested in paying her. Johnny convinces Kitty to let her take credit for Chris's work, Chris thinks it's a great idea and lets her do it because he loves her, but his blinded love will only get her, will only let her schemes get so far. Fritz Lang, an Austrian-born American motion picture director whose films dealing with fate and people's inevitable, inevitable working out of their destinies are considered masterpieces of visual composition and expressionistic suspense. Lang had already created an impressive body of work in German cinema before coming to the United States in 1934. Although it took him some 21 years to finish 22 Hollywood films, arguably at least half of them are noirish masterpieces of menace, tone poems of fear and fate that have stood the test of time. So the reason why Scarlet Street was banned here in the United States was on January 4th, 1946, the New York State Censor Board banned Scarlet Street entirely, relying on the stature that it gave power to censor films that were obscene, indecent, immoral, inhuman, sacrilegious, or, the, or whose exposition would tend to corrupt morals or indicate crime. As in a chain reaction one week later, the Motion Picture Commission for the city of Milwaukee also banned the film as a part of a new policy encouraged by police for stricter, stricter regulations of undesirable film. On February 3rd, Christina Smith, the city censor of Atlanta, argued that because the sore did life it portrayed the treatment of illicit love, the failure of the characters to receive orthodox punishment from the police, and because the picture would tend to weaken a respect for the law. Scarlet Street was profound, uh, obscured, and contrary to the good order of the community. Universal was discouraged from challenging the constitutionality of the censors by the protests of the, nas- of the national religious groups that arose as the Atlanta case went to court. So that was very interesting. And honestly, I can see why many people were really mad at this movie. <laughs> For I the time, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For for the time, yeah. But, wow, what a masterpiece. I love Fritz Lang. He is all has always been ahead of his time, especially with Metropolis. If you've never seen it, you're, it's made in 1927, and it's a masterpiece. It feels like it could. it's a movie that could be made today. Just everything, all the... The story, just it's so the sci-fi of and the German expressionism that's put in that movie just blew me out of the water. He he really did not care. Um, he went for it with these movies. So to me, I give I have to applaud him. Like that's just incredible. This movie really like I, I just couldn't stop. I loved it. 
Yeah, and as uh, for someone who's never seen any of his work, I mean, let alone even heard of him prior to to this, um, it was great. Like I going into it, like I am not as big of a fan of older movies as you are, right? So going into this, I had expected this to be kind of slow, kind of, uh, it's not really my taste. It's, you know, I like certain movies that are older, like I can get with it. I'm totally cool with it. Um, and I find them enjoyable, but I wasn't sure what to expect going into this one. And man, I was actually blown away, uh, because of how layered this is. I don't remember the last time I have seen a movie, granted there's not many, uh, from this era that was so complex. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't banned, people wouldn't would probably wouldn't like it at that time, anyways, because of how complex it was. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it's a remake. Um, I'm gonna mess up the name uh, completely, but I know it's a remake of Jean Ren- Renoir's films. The one that he remade it from was uh, La Chine, which means the bitch. Yeah, um okay. in French. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um he actually wow. also then later Fritz Lang made another um remake of one of his movies which was called Le Bedet Human. I don't know. I'm I don't speak French, sorry dad. Um inspired Human Desire in 1954 and he hated both of those movies. He hate uh Renoir hated both remakes of his movies. Wow. Which I have not seen the his uh, Renoir's, his yeah, his version, yeah. which makes me want to watch it now because of Scarlet Street. Um, oh my goodness, I just, I just couldn't get over it with the whole. I think at the end that just showing the suicide, you know, yeah. just a warning for everyone. But um, that that was in the 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 voices in his head and. Yes, by the way, this is a, uh, there There are spoilers on this podcast, so if you have not seen this movie, go check it out and then come back. <laughs> it's a little late for that warning, but uh, hey, we're getting better at this, so it's okay. Um, sorry, just got, I, I, we gotta point that out there first, but yeah, it was just, what? Um, I think, I think by the end of this movie, or even like halfway through, it pretty much solidifies for me at least like i was like wow this is actually like really deep uh this is it feels timeless in a sense like you you could definitely tell what era this is in mm-hmm. but the themes the conversations everything that is being addressed doesn't feel like it's something that's, that's specific to that era you know what i mean like that feels yes. like a very timeless kind of plot where it's just like this could happen at any time it doesn't matter um but I mean, yeah, the, between the performances, the story, uh, I was I was in it a hundred percent. Yeah, seriously, like the three actors that ended up, you know, the, that are the main characters of the movie, which is uh, Edward G. Robinson was Christopher Cross, Joan Bennett was Catherine Kitty March, and I'm gonna mess up his name, but Dan. Duria was Johnny Prince and they all three of them played a movie prior to this one which was another Fritz Lang movie I think it was called A Woman in the Window um, 1945 or 44 and so they all came back to play this movie and they all three blew me away with their performances Johnny 
so disgusting. Like, I wanted to punch him in the face. Kitty, she... You could tell she was that typical desperate girl that's, you know, I love the bad boy type. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what's good for myself. And Chris, oh my God, he was Man. so creepy at first. I was like, this dude is creepy because he's like, I want a young girl. Like, you know how you said yeah. at the beginning? I was like, oh, please get away from me, you simp. 1945 it's... simp. Yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story. <laughs> don't be a simp. Seriously, um, I mean, yeah. At first, that I feel like that line doesn't age very well, right? Like that's, I think that's like one of the few parts where it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know how I feel about you saying that. Like that's kind of that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But like as as it goes on, and as you see him kind of get sucked into this like web of problems, uh, just going left and right, getting tangled up, and it's just like. I can't help but feel bad. Like I, I, I genuinely feel bad. It's like, and I, and as you, as the movie went on, you want to be able to see him get out of that, but he never does. He never, he never really does. And that's, that's heartbreaking. And it is. for a movie to make you feel that. Ugh. Oh, and you know, when at first, like you get that weird, ew, you're kind of gross when he said, I want yeah. a young girl. But then, like you said, you do feel for him when he starts talking to Kitty and he starts, then you meet his wife, who's a total, total piece of work, super Man. mean, would, was trying to throw out his paintings and stuff like you. Then yeah. that was the moment where I was like, okay, Chris isn't, isn't bad. I kind of felt where it was going to go with the whole, how he didn't like Johnny. And he just felt like Johnny was, you know, a little weird and stuff. I'm like, maybe this could go, like, he's going to either kill Johnny or Kitty or both. I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I felt that towards the end of the movie, but oh, yeah. with with Johnny, um, remember when they were going to the bar and she's like, it's getting late, whatever. And he's like, who's Johnny? And she like turns around like so quickly. She's like, Don't say that name again. That part made me laugh because it was so awkward. It's <laughs> like so some- sudden. And they just yeah. like, quick up, they or they forget about it really quick. And it's just like, what the fuck was that? what who what and like obviously it makes sense later on but it's just like in the moment you're just like huh i feel like i was just kind of thrown into this situation and i don't know but maybe it's supposed to make you feel like that because we're technically in chris's shoes where it's like well wait what the what 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 was that yeah it's like who is johnny now yeah we want to know um and another another thing with that that scene later on when we do meet Johnny again for the first time because he does assault her on the street and he Chris stops him. You know, yeah. he she like runs away with him. But seriously, he was like definitely probably not with just Kitty. Like the way he his mannerisms were and how he didn't really care. Yeah. He was using her too. It just you know, it just seemed it just, it just seemed very ahead of its time. Very yeah. ahead. It's and that's and that's crazy because like it's it just goes back to like I don't know I felt like it was I don't want to say I don't know if relatable is the right word but it's just like you, you I feel like you know somebody that's been in a situation like that where they have tried to go above and beyond for somebody that doesn't show anything uh, back for that person um, especially when you know there it's a creative person right like right you know especially if you are also a creative person watching this you. And he 
doesn't get credit for any of his work and that ends up biting him in the ass later on. And it's just like, uh, you just, it turns from like, oh, I feel like I know somebody like this to, oh my God, I, I've never seen someone's life spiral out of control so quickly in such a short amount of time and feel something on top of that. So like this movie was able to accomplish a lot in the hour and 40, what, 41 minutes uh, of a runtime that this movie is in 1945. Like that's, it's, I'm so happy with this movie and how it turned out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have much bad to say about it. Neither do I. Honestly, it made, it did make me sad that I stopped it watching the, so I watched the first I want to say 20, 30 minutes of the movie, maybe. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a break from this. Because like you said, it's weird to kind of compare yourself to Chris a little bit because you've been in that position, you uh-huh. know, like you said, where you go above and beyond for someone and you hope that they would recognize your talent and for who you are and not because I'm older or because I look different yeah. or whatever. So to me I felt sad and I just was like I don't really want to watch this right now. Like I just, you know, so I came back and I still picked up where I left off and man did I enjoy it. And I was like why did I stop it? Like it just got better and better every time. Every minute of the movie was just something else. And I thought he was going to kill his wife. And that whole portrait scene with his her ex-husband that was supposedly dead and then showed up out of nowhere. That scene Yeah was so confusing because I don't know what what happened like after like she he showed up she freaked oh, out oh yeah and then that was it and then we just saw her at the court case which by the way was filmed incredibly like ahead of its time too with all those like mm-hmm. close up shots and silhouetted or not silhouetted yeah. uh, vignetted shots yeah those are yeah, those like, are cool. And his performance, Johnny, was really good. I hated him. I hated him. Every time you play a character that's supposed to, like, their personality and I believe you, yeah. like, I just want to punch him in the face. Like, it's like... You do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So from what it sounds like, we kind of flip-flopped this week where at first, when in our last movie that we discussed, I stopped about, you know a good chunk of the movie and I just had to put it down and walk away from that. And now you did the same thing with this movie. I know. Isn't that funny? Um, it's weird. Except I had a good reason cause I felt bad for Chris. You just got bored. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I got bored in the first movie this, but this one, it was, man, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm genuinely surprised that it was able to hold my attention for as long as it did. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that you really like these kind of movies, but uh, it just, they normally don't hold my attention very long. And this one just like, let's go. Here's the plot. Here's what's going on. We're just going to throw you right into it. We're not going to take a lot of time to hold on this. And yeah, you're strapped in for a roller coaster ride. And for the time, it's just, yeah, way ahead of its time. Oh, oh no, most certainly. And the whole, you know, Kitty and her roommate situation, you know, she was already ahead of her time telling her, hey, this guy's probably not for you. Look what happened. You're yeah. more, you're much more lazier. You're not as passionate as you used to be for acting. And that seems to happen. I'm not saying in every relationship, but in a lot of when people get into a relationship, they lose themselves because they're so busy of taking care of 
their significant other because they don't want to be like Chris, lonely and desperate mm-hmm. for love, yeah. which is what happened to him, um, especially at the end where he spiraled out of control, but also having an unloving wife who kept her ex-husband's portrait, which was already a red flag as it is, like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, I mean, in, in certain cases, I can understand why one would keep that in... As far as she was uh, not trying to defend her, because she's still a really terrible person, but, like, she had thought that he had died, right? Right. So keeping a portrait up, I can kind of get that, right? I just don't know why you would remarry so suddenly. Exactly. So it just, that was, I was like, I was like, why, if you're not, and you're constantly comparing Chris to your ex-husband, that's that's messed up yeah. like that's really messed up like i'm going to uh tear you apart and then compare yeah. you to my to what to who i think is my dead ex-husband right cool. exactly which is um, but i insane. will say when he popped up later on totally like threw me off because i was like who the hell is this oh okay we took Wait, out the what? iPad. he's alive yeah it was just like well, even when he took a, took off the eye patch, I was like, "Is this somebody that he's supposed to know?" And then, like when Chris was like, "I don't know who you are," I'm like, well, "Who? Are, yeah, who are you?" And then, then they then they finally reveal it and they talk about it. I'm just like, "Wait, they're gonna do that on top of everything else that's going on? The husband comes back into the picture? What?" I felt like it was like a soap opera or something. I don't know, but I was into it, which is weird. <laughs> I know. I honestly, what got me really into it was. Well, what confused me a little bit was the beginning because I, I, the one thing that I don't like about old Hollywood movies is usually the beginning of the movie is the way they're structured. I feel like it's like we're trying to set you up, which is fine. But now, like, you know, mm-hmm. today things are more creative where they can start like a Tarantino film, for example, could start in the middle of the movie and then unravel and come back together at the end. But yeah. really, I think with old Hollywood movies, Sometimes it's like you're just placed in somewhere and you're like, okay, like this is this is kind of awkward. You know, you're kind of just easing, eavesdropping into a conversation a little bit, which can be make you feel kind of unstartled and like confused, which I don't yeah. like. And I didn't like that in the beginning of the movie, except I did like the little cute monkey that was there. I don't know if you remember seeing that on the street. <laughs> there was a pet monkey. What? Yeah. No, I definitely must have missed that. Uh, wow. I'm not as big of a fan of this movie as I thought I was. I missed a monkey. It was so wow. cute. Uh, I agree, though. I think the beginning of the movie, um, when he's awarded that uh, that pocket watch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that whole thing felt like filler in comparison to the rest of the movie, but it does set up the boss being with a younger woman and then they talk about that and they comment that. And it's like, oh, boy, what would it be like to be with a younger woman? And it's just like it kind of gets a little weird with that. But then that segues into Chris stumbling apro- uh, across like the uh, quote unquote attack of uh, of Kitty. So I guess like it has a purpose. It just I feel like it could either have been condensed or it could have been something else. It was just the way, it was a weird the way- setup. So I see what you're talking about. Yeah, the way I looked at it after, like, just taking all of the movie in was the watch meant uh, for Chris, like, you're running out of time. I'm with the younger woman. You're with this older woman uh, now. Yeah, so fair enough. I I think that's what it was. And I think it also 
the watch relies on Kitty and Johnny. They're running out of time. They're pretty much their schemes are gonna they're gonna bite the bullet and pay the price and they're gonna one of them's gonna get stabbed the other one's gonna get the electric chair yeah which for a movie that was i i keep saying for 1945 i keep talking about the date again but it's just because of the significance of this we saw like an actual stabbing granted kitty was under the sheets right so you don't you don't really see it but i feel like you see more of this than you do in like psycho yeah, right? exactly. Which was 15 years later. So it's right. like, whoa. Like it got, it, it escalated pretty quickly. Um, and there was, there were a couple moments where, where it kind of hinted that he was going to stab somebody. You know, we thought it was going to be his wife in the kitchen with the knife. Right. Um, but then it ended up being that ice pick. So. It's, nice. it's crazy. And. With the whole stabbing scene that you mentioned, Psycho, it's true because for its time, like, usually in old Hollywood movies, they'll kind of just allude that, like, something happened, you know? So, and Hitchcock was only the one that was really doing those things. Like, for example, Dial M for Murder, Grace Kelly's picking up the phone and she's getting strangled and you see it and it's scary. But the fact that Fritz Lang did this before like and Hitchcock was still on top of his game I mean he was making like Rebecca and um, Notorious like all of these movies that still required a lot of suspense and action but Fritz Lang was just like all right pick up the thing and start stabbing pillows let's pretend it's her or something and yeah the structure of movies being on a film roll like I don't know how they're moving people in and out of places you know we can digitally stop and record and pick up where we left off cheat some things whatever like they physically Mm -hmm. had to probably stop the film and they're like all right she's gotta like roll over on the side and put the pillows and you gotta stab and then start it again yeah yeah which is like crazy yeah it's it's, so wild I feel like it was definitely a lot more work back then and I'd be, I would really love to go back to be able to see how they did that. Uh, oh yeah, I think that would be super interesting to see exactly how they filmed everything because it was, it was shot pretty well, and it made you, I don't know, it, like I said, it, it has like a timeless feeling to it, and it makes me want to go and look at Lang's other movies because I, I, I obviously am a fan now, so oh definitely, I need to, I need to see more. Definitely watch um m2 that one really scared me it was a 1931 movie uh based on a berlin police looking after a child murderer so it's really scary but it's it's good like i I just couldn't stop watching and you got to remember he is like you said he was born in austria he was a german filmmaker so codes and laws were so different they were more oh yeah risque and more violence was in europe probably Asian movies too compared to American pre-code which started in the 1930s where you couldn't talk about sex you couldn't talk about much violence like you really had to work around it and I can see now why this movie was banned because of those pre-code laws as we mentioned earlier so and the fact that they're like the cops should have done more it's like but they're not a part of the story like what more do you want um, Johnny got the electric chair on like unfortunately that was unfair because he really didn't yeah, do wow. he didn't kill her yeah. but 
Chris suffered. Now Chris is, we see Chris six years later and he's still suffering from, you know, his mental inner monologue of like Kitty and Johnny having their love affair in heaven or hell or wherever they are. So wild, not praising any serial killers or anything, but it's like, I think his punishment is about to happen soon. Like he looks like he's going to freeze to death because he's homeless yeah and for the film to end in a way where they're talking about the last painting that he did right being Which sold for ten thousand dollars yeah being a portrait of katie or sorry kitty or kitty kitty <laughs> yes. did you say katie or did i say it you said matter. katie i said kitty <laughs> oh okay well kitty so the port of the so the final painting that was worth ten thousand dollars at the time which i don't know what the conversion or the inflation is now um but i'm Back then, ten thousand dollars is a lot. Uh, I know that for sure. Uh, being it's a portrait a hundred thousand. Yeah, it's that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to, to for him to to stand there and, and witness it happen, and it's just like, man, this this dude is homeless now. He's homeless, getting p- kicked out of a park off of a bench by the police, to then walk by that same gallery that he never got credit for. To only see it get sold to someone else for a ton of money. It's wild, but I feel like the value wouldn't have been as much because they thought Kitty did those paintings. And if it was him, they would have probably, maybe the value would have been half of that because she died. But I don't know. It's But again, like he probably would have said like F you and walked off if... Yeah. He didn't really love her if he knew he, she was using her and he would have never signed that agreement that it's her paintings. It's so s- sad because... Yeah. And I do feel bad for Kitty because she is dumb and desperate. Like, she just doesn't understand that Johnny is not good for her and does not love her. He literally walked off yeah. because he showed up and he's like, it's your fault. And it's like, okay, dude. Where did this come from? Hold on. Hold on. This is your idea. Like, the entire thing was his idea. So, yeah, I'm not saying that, like, Kitty definitely... He slaps her, too, a bunch of yeah. times. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, dude, chill. What the hell? Like, I mean, back then, I feel like... I'm not just saying, like, every marriage in the 1940s or 50s, like, had abuse. But, like, I think it was more common having domestic abuse within marriages but it's hard to watch that regardless of the fact. Right, like seeing it over and over again and she's just fine with it? Yeah, of course. I'm sure like she could drop a meatloaf and he'd be like, what? <laughs> and like slap her. It's all your fault. Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. But like, I, I'm not saying that like Kitty and, you know, Chris belong together or something. They They didn't. No. But she definitely didn't, like, none of them needed to be associated with each other. That's the bottom line. Like, they all <laughs> needed to go on their separate paths or something. But these three characters ended up being correlated with each other. And it's just, like, very difficult, very difficult to watch. Which is very common in real life. You just find people that you don't really jive with. And then later you kind of, sep- you either think to yourself, like, we should separate, like, be in our own separate ways or you guys stick to the end and sometimes it's just not healthy you know so yeah i feel like that's such a normal life situation for that to happen and the fact remember when he's slapping her and he i think he says something along the lines of like 
you're just really not that smart baby or something and he slaps her and it's like yeah i hate to say this but he kind of was telling her the truth like you're stupid that you're like with me basically because i mean that's at least how i took it that he was yeah. like you're you're dumb yeah because she says i love you i love you and he's like no you're stupid like i don't yeah, know why why like yeah. why what do you see in this man like i, I just don't I don't, I don't, I've never, I've never understood that, but that was a prime example of it. And it was just like really hard to watch. So, but like, I, when I say really hard to watch, I mean it like in like the connection sense where it's like, I feel attached to these characters, which wasn't expecting. That's for damn sure. Um, and seeing the spiral of everything take place just get worse and worse and worse and oh, yeah. it gets tangled oh, yeah. and murky and it's like wow i'm just watching it's it's like watching like a, a car crash or a train derail and you're just like this is terrible oh yeah but i can't no, look totally. away yeah oh yeah totally and i think with like the whole thing with like johnny and kitty just you know again with the abuse that like bothered me so much i was just like dude like why do you gotta slap her every time like she's not he is obsessed with her he bought her that um like apartment in new york Mm -hmm. so of course he's gonna have the key to walk in they think he thinks that johnny is his roommate's boyfriend like i mean obviously kind of caught on later but yeah which also how many times does it take to catch on like he walked in like two times prior to that and it's just like Ooh, that awkward moment when he walked in and they were like kissing and he's just like he drops his briefcase and just oh, walks yeah. away. Yeah. But Which he was one? smart enough to take it. Yeah, but he came back to take it afterwards. Yeah. After, after he, he killed her. her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, no man, you walk in and you see, you know, the the woman of your dreams kissing another man just don't drop drop the briefcase if you want to be heard, but then pick it up and just leave. Just it's it's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. Just go, just go. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, so. and I'm sure I'm sure some girl if he if he really wanted like a younger girl and a girl who wanted a older guy, like I'm sure he would have found someone like Kitty. Just but not that wouldn't use him or anything. That would stab him in the back, and yeah, it's just oh man. It's heartbreaking. Well, I like that scene when they're on the train, or he's on the train, and yes. Chris is on the train, and he's the guy's telling him like, I think they're talking about a different murder, and he's like, man, I don't, I'd take the chair or something because I wouldn't want my inner thoughts like to come in. And we talked about the inner thoughts part, and as soon as he said that, I had a feeling that it was going to eat him up inside after he mm-hmm. said that. But it's true. Like sometimes we let the littlest things. Obviously, this isn't little at all, but. When we let the little things bother us, it's still in our head. We're like, oh, I can't do that. It's a bad habit of mine. Like, this is some, you killed the woman you loved and you let her shitty fiance take the blame, which I actually thought he might have, he was going to run in and stop Johnny from getting the chair and he was going to take it. Yeah. I don't know. I got that illusion a little bit, but it just made it even better at the end. But yeah, th- that train scene was was great because the line was something along the lines of like you can't escape justice, like no matter like you can't escape it. Like 
and he's sitting there and he's, you know, Chris is starting to sweat. So he passes and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, what, like, what if a murderer did get away? And it's like, well, he doesn't. Right. Because it's going to mm-hmm. eat, it's going to eat him up. Absolutely. Because the only, you're left with just this. And he points to his heart. And then like Chris starts to yeah. sweat more and he's just like, it's, it's a, like, I feel like that was probably the most impactful scene of the movie because even if you do end up getting away with it, it's still on your conscience. Like you're, it's still oh, yeah. weighing on it and it takes a toll. And then you see that yes. for the, for the rest of the, what the last 10 minutes of the movie, Ugh, heartbreaking. It really, yeah, it's, it's really heartbreaking. You know, honestly, I wish Chris could have just walked out of there or just like threw something at them and just left, grabbed all his paintings and left. Yeah. Cause like, even though like he had lost his, his artwork and his, and his credibility for it, he could have, I feel like lost he could have. Lost his wife. Well, not losing <laughs> not much there. Yeah, yeah. Not, not losing much there. But, um, that's, uh, that's someone else's problem. Uh, sounds horrible but she's just awful uh, oh yeah annoying but, you know he could have made a life for himself somewhere else and i was actually really excited because i thought that that's what he was going to do like he was going to have some kind of uh happy ending and then as we learned that was that's not the case so but uh very well done movie oh yeah oh yeah no seriously and i didn't know this till we talked about it earlier that um mm. I'm going to go jump to Fritz Lang here, but um, I believe he was Jewish, right? And I think, yes. he, and you said he left his wife, who was a member of the Nazi party. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. He's, that so she he's, was a part of that. He's, he's a, excuse me. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, he's half Jewish uh, from what I read. And he had made a, I don't remember the year, uh, but he had made like a, almost like a parody uh, of a movie that kind of mocked Nazis and somehow the Nazi party saw it and they wanted him to direct like their own propaganda films and stuff. And it's just like one that's, that's stupid. (laughs) Like I'm making fun of you and you want to turn around and make me or have me do your own propaganda stuff. I don't know. That was weird. Uh, So he had to leave, he had to leave the country and everything. And he just, he left everything, his wife, everything who was apparently a part of the Nazis. Um, And that's probably for the best. So I'm glad that he did. Cause yikes. Yeah, for real. And he has no vision in his right eye, which is so interesting to me because his shots in his movies are like incredible. They're so good. He got attacked um, uh, during World War One because uh, he he was in World War One and he uh, he lost vision in his right eye completely. So I That's find that so incredible that he did twenty two films. With That's one incredible. Eye. Yeah. So we're a Fritz Lang stand in this podcast. Yes, most certainly, most certainly. <laughs> um, but okay, so let me ask you this question: Do you think? Scarlet Street should still be banned today. Not at all. There's so much worse out there in movies today. For the time, I guess I can understand why. No, not even an I guess. Like, I can understand why it was banned. Like, they go into, like, themes that, especially during the era that it came out in, World War II, like, people want to go to the movies to kind of escape and 
you know, be happy and stuff and get their mind off of things. And this was a movie that was very grounded and very, very depressing. Um, oh, yes. And takes turns left and right. Also a little too complicated. But yes, I could see why it was banned then. For now, no. It should definitely not be banned. There's so much worse out there. Oh, I agree. I think, like you said, I understand why it was banned during the time. But, and personally, um, I think this is one of the most entertaining movies of that era, too. Just being like, noir was like just always constantly taking over. You Mm. know, everybody loved a good film noir. But seriously, like, if, if they banned this movie forever... I think that it would have been a huge loss in oh, like film yeah. history and just it being a Fritz Lang movie. Um, funny enough, they did not renew the copyright, so it is public domain, so you can watch it anywhere. Yeah, so that's, just enjoy that's weird. It. Yeah, because um, it was should, on Amazon Prime, but now it's on YouTube, you said, right? Yeah, it's like every... So public domain means that you won't get copyright. Like, you, you could make a bunch of copies on dvd and it's fine like you won't get arrested or anything you'll pretty much yeah you can put it anywhere there's there's actually different versions where they cut a lot Mm. out which i guess makes sense because it was a banned movie um but definitely check it out it's on youtube it's everywhere you can just look it up to be anywhere and the other thing is i i just really enjoyed the whole thing overall just just go watch it if you like thrillers psychological thrillers it's kind of what it is um and yeah just you know take take the time to enjoy it um definitely i think with these movies as they get older now they've been doing it more often but i think they need to start putting warnings you know because most movies are a little outdated you know Mm -hmm. with you know being racist and being um insensitive so in the fact that this movie has suicide and you kind of see it is kind of something that they should put as a heads up, even if it is public domain. Yeah, most certainly. Um, there's really easy ways about going to do that, too, just like how Disney has done with some of their past properties. Which I appreciate. Oh, yeah. Um, it makes a world of a difference and some kind of warning or something for that, I feel like is probably appropriate. So uh, I wish that that's something they could do if but it's, it's public domain, so I don't think anyone's going to. I don't know who would step up and do that, but it'd be cool. Oh, yeah. No, totally. So. Totally. All right. So thanks for listening. If you jo- enjoyed this episode. Well, wait, wait, wait. What, what are you rating it? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. Hold on. You're, you're trying to jump ahead. What would you rate this? So in, we're going to we rate these out of 10. So uh, based off of that, out of 10, what would you rate this movie? So on the original document, I gave it an 8 out of 10. I'm actually going to bump it up to 9 out of 10 because I thoroughly enjoyed it and it has inspired me to create my own movies. So wow, there you go. Thank you, Fritz Lang. Shout out. Uh, my I will not be changing mine. Uh, mine is an 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, I think the beginning, like the very, very beginning could be changed or there there are just some things that like i don't know i I haven't said a ton of bad about this movie and i I don't know i just don't think it's like perfect necessarily but this is much better than anything else i've seen from that era so eight out of ten yeah go watch it it's pretty um, good if yeah (laughs) if you watch it you know you could always let us know (laughs) 
what you think. So um, yeah, we want to hear your comment thoughts. down below anywhere. Yes. So, but thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and like to help us support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a late rating and review. Um, so to catch up on the latest of your host, me and Ryan, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Real Unwind. Give us a like on our Facebook page and make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't. Um, thank you again and we'll see you next time.